Welcome to the Bethany Covenant Church Sermon Podcast. We are a multi-generational community in Berlin, Connecticut. Our services are held Sundays at 9.30 a.m., and you can find out more about us at www.bethanycovenant.org. Well, good morning. It's good to see you all and to be with you all again. I know some of you are here for the first time, so I want to give a welcome to special guests and visitors. But if you have been with us for a while, even for the past couple of months, uh, you've become aware, you've been hearing how uh, here at Bethany we have what I'm going to call a renewed mission statement. It's not brand new because the mission of the church hasn't changed since the time of Christ. But out of a process of consciously depending on God's Holy Spirit to reveal to us our why in this season of ministry together as this people in this place, we have... um, discerned that God is calling us to connect and serve so the generations discover and experience the transforming love of God. This is our mission. This is how we express why we do what we do here at Bethany. It's a statement that helps us discover and discern whether we're on track in what we're doing or if we're getting off track and distracted. Because as clearly as your favorite team or athlete has a mission, usually it's to win the next game or match or meet, but also to develop the, uh, his or her skills, to build the team, there's a focus, there's a mission. Even more clearly, we have been given a mission from God. And this specific uh, expression of that mission, I like to think of as a slice that helps us focus in on our part in this season to fulfill the great commandment that we love God and our neighbor with all that we have, and Christ's great commission that we go and teach and baptize and make disciples, these are the things we put our energy into as a congregation. And this morning, we're going to focus on the first action that's described here in this mission statement, that we connect. We connect so that generations discover and experience the transforming love of God. Our connection is meant to have a purpose. There's a desired outcome, and that desired outcome is that people across generations will have their lives transformed by the love of God himself. And this idea of being connected as Christians isn't something that we came up with on our own. This is what the Apostle Paul was writing about when he sent the words to the Christians in Ephesus that Andrew just read for us. Paul writes, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So Paul tells the Ephesians, and as we listen in, he reminds us that we were once on the outside looking in on the promises of God. Certainly those of us here who are not ethnically Jewish can relate to the uh, believers, Christian believers in Ephesus, who were primarily Gentiles as well. And we're reminded along with them that we used to be foreigners and strangers to the covenant promises of God. But by the blood and resurrection of Jesus Christ and through faith in him, 
we are no longer outsiders. We have been made members of God's household with Jesus himself as our brother. And then Paul goes on to use the language of architecture to describe our our identity, our situation as people on the receiving end of God's love and mercy through Jesus Christ. And we know that we can often discern a lot about a building's purpose by looking at its design. For example, I want you to tell me what's shown here in this photo. Airport. Easy to see, right? You look at what's built, how it's designed, you say, that's an airport. You look at that picture, maybe you're excited about an upcoming trip, maybe you dread the idea of being in an airport. But it's obvious from the gates, from the moving walkways, that this space has been designed to get people to and from arriving and departing aircraft. That's its purpose. Now this one might be a little bit harder, but I want you to identify this photo. All right, nice, hospital. We can tell this building has been designed to allow for people to easily get in, especially in the case of emergency. And then we see that there's space there for them to be evaluated, treated, and even housed if they need to stay there. Architecture matters. And we realize that a hospital would make a lousy airport. And an airport wouldn't be a very good hospital either. Architecture matters because in almost every case, design is linked to the purpose of a building or a structure. And this is true even if the main purpose of a structure is to please the eye. And Paul makes the case in this letter to the Ephesians that the architecture of the church very much matters. He explains that the church has been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And so Paul uses this beautiful metaphorical language to invite us to picture God doing some design and construction work as a master architect. And Paul says that God chooses Jesus as the cornerstone and places Jesus specifically in a way so that the whole building built on Christ will have dimension and structure and purpose as God continues to build. And the church that God is building relies on and rests on Jesus. And then stone by stone, Paul says, the building continues to rise up, founded not only on Jesus, but also on the apostles and the prophets, all those through whom God has spoken over the ages. This is a building, a church, that God is constructing for a purpose. Paul says the building, that this building with its foundation on Jesus, on the apostles and the prophets, becomes a whole temple for the Lord. And by the grace and love of God, we get to be part of that temple, those of us who have placed our faith in Jesus Christ, the cornerstone. Paul writes that you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. And so God reaches down for us, selects us as building stones, and places us into this beautiful temple that he's constructing for his glory. And then God himself, Paul says, inhabits that structure. So often I think we focus on um, what God has done for us as individuals, you know, and rightly so. We understand that 
that yes, God so loved the entire world that he sent his son that we might be saved. And that promise and that uh, gift of new birth is offered to each one of us. And we recognize that people encounter the love of God one person at a time. But at the very same moment that we receive that gift of life transformation, the gift of new and eternal life through Christ, we find ourselves not alone. We find ourselves united to Jesus Christ, but also to one another, to this whole new family of brothers and sisters who have also placed their faith in Christ. And we find that as we look around, we have a profound connection with these others. There are times as disciples of Jesus, certainly as members of Bethany Covenant Church and as friends here, that we choose to connect. We choose to get together and gather. We tend to like to be together. It's often around food, I've noticed. We plan events and activities that bring us into proximity with one another. And in general, we'd rather do things together than on our own, than apart. We are people who connect by intent. I think of the uh, dining around groups that just finished up this fall, and it was a blessing for my wife and I to be part of one of those. But Paul's writings to the Ephesian church and to us who follow in their footsteps as Gentile believers remind us that we are people who not only might choose to connect, but who have been connected by God's design. So whether we like to be together or not, God has pulled us together, placed us together in this holy structure that he's building. And so I love that as we gather as a congregation and look around at who is with us here at Bethany, yes, we see some people that we might naturally gravitate toward, people with whom we have much in common. But we also encounter those who might seem different from us in a lot of ways. And we recognize that God has connected us as closely as bricks in a building, as closely as stones in a temple, with God's Spirit dwelling among us and within us together. We're united in Christ. We're united, connected together for a purpose. And so our gatherings, our connections are often fun, often enjoyable, and rightly so. But we recognize that our, our ultimate purpose in gathering and connecting is that God would be glorified and so that his love would be known among more and more people and that that love would transform their lives. We connect so that generations discover and experience the transforming love of God. We choose to connect and we recognize our connections in Christ as God has pulled us together. And so if anyone asks, well, so what? We have a so that answer to give them. It's about people experiencing God's love. Not just one group of people, but generations. Generations who are gathered here now among us, the generations who will come after us that have not yet even been born. Our prayer is that they would discover and experience for themselves the transforming love of God. So that they too would be built into that holy temple that brings God so much glory. And because there's a purpose for our connections, we need to never forget that our, our connections are, first of all, meant to be God-honoring. Paul writes that in Christ, the whole building that God is carefully and beautifully constructing 
is joined together so it rises to become what he calls a holy temple in the Lord. It's a holy purpose in our connection. And so every time we gather, we recognize that we are meant to be holy people who reflect the holiness of God himself. And anyone looking at our gathering should recognize that we are people who aren't perfect, but who seek to be holy because the God who loves us is holy. There's meant to be both holiness and wholeness in our lives and in our gatherings. And then second, based on Paul's description of our identity and purpose as a holy temple built for the glory of God, it's clear that our connections need to be spirit-filled, to be spirit-led. Paul insists that the church that God is building is to become a dwelling in which God himself lives by his spirit. And if we lean into this uh, architecture metaphor, I think it's safe for us to assume that Paul, when he talks about God's spirit living with us, isn't referring to some kind of mother-in-law apartment. I think about uh, the, the gracious accommodation that we sometimes offer to people living in our house, but sometimes it's a bit off to the side, a bit out of sight, out of mind. But obviously the Spirit's residence with us in no way is meant to be that like that. We consciously depend on the presence and power of God's Holy Spirit as a church. And so we recognize that nothing but the best room in a central place will do. And if our connections are indeed Spirit-led, we recognize they won't always be completely predictable. We might make plans for a particular worship service or youth group gathering or a Christian formation class or a fundraiser event, even a time when our fellowship gathers around coffee and treats. We make plans to connect, but if we are truly spirit-led and spirit-filled, we should expect that God's spirit will sometimes, maybe even often, act in unpredictable ways. And that God himself might have some unexpected plans for our gatherings. And so we choose not to just make room for the Spirit, but actually to anticipate with a sense of, of alert expectancy that as we gather, God's Spirit will be at work. Perhaps even in some surprising ways. In ways that we hadn't quite seen coming. We choose to be prayerful about God's desires for our connections. And then we hold loosely to our own plans, recognizing God may be up to something different or bigger or better. At least these will be the kinds of things we'll find ourselves doing if we commit to having our connections, our gatherings, spirit-filled and spirit-led, rather than being limited to or chained to our own plans and designs. And then last, if we live into our purpose under God as master architect, our connections as stones in this temple that God is building will be outwardly oriented. For sure, there will be times when, as we find ourselves in connections with our fellow stones, we will connect to care for each other, to listen to each other, to enjoy each other's company, to serve one another. But the stones in a temple, if we think about how a temple is built, don't exist primarily for themselves. They serve a purpose beyond themselves. 
And so first, they are meant to be oriented toward God, since a temple exists to bring God glory. And this will happen as we choose to be God-honoring and spirit-led. But then second, we are meant to be oriented toward those who we recognize actually aren't yet fellow stones with us, haven't yet been brought into this temple that God is building by his beautiful design. The temple isn't finished. Paul makes it clear that God is building this temple. And it's clear that the temple will continue to be built until the time that Christ returns to reside with the church where his spirit now lives. The temple continues to rise up as more and more stones are added. And so if we ever get the sense that, as we look at our gathering, if we ever get a sense that it's like, well, I think we're good enough. I think we're done. I think we're okay. Then I think that's a sign that we have missed our call toward outward focus. Lost a sense of God's passion to continue building and adding to this beautiful structure. Paul writes to the church in Ephesus and reminds those Christians that they are no longer foreigners and strangers, but in fact fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. And the same is true of us. If we live into our outwardly focused design, we will recognize that there are still those around us connected to our lives who right now honestly are foreigners and strangers to the promises of God. And we recognize that God's desire is to connect them to us and to this building that he is constructing I'm going to invite you now uh, to close your eyes, and in your imagination, I want you to picture the most beautiful church building you've ever been in. And maybe right now you're picturing the exterior, maybe you're imagining yourself inside this building. Maybe it's Bethany, but if it's not, we won't hold it against you. And as you look around at this structure in your mind's eye, I invite you to notice what makes it so memorably striking. Now I invite you to take a moment and ponder as you've noticed those striking elements of this structure, is there anything catching your attention that's purely ornamental? Or does everything, in fact, have some purpose? Friends, as you open your eyes now, I want to remind you, remind us that we are being built into an even more beautiful structure than that. And that none of us is here for ornamental purposes. We all have a purpose in this structure that God is building for his glory. And together, we've been given beautiful purpose and a powerful mission. It's an amazing and God-honoring, spirit-led, outwardly oriented mission. We connect by choice, and we are connected by God's love and grace so that more and more people among more generations 
would also discover and experience God's transforming love in their lives. Amen. Please join me in prayer. Holy God, master, designer, and builder, we thank you for uniting us to your son, Jesus. We thank you for sending us the Holy Spirit who lives within us and among us. God, thank you for connecting us to each other and to your mission in this world. God, teach us to rely on your Holy Spirit in all things. And teach us to keep our eyes on your purposes for us and through us. Father, would you keep us faithful? We ask this in the name of Jesus himself. Amen.